If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science, and today I'm here with Mindy Cottrell, and we are actually at the NSTA Cincinnati uh, area conference. So we're recording this like way before you're ever going to hear it, but we wanted to record this because we're talking about conferences, and some of you might be getting ready to go to the NSTA National Conference in Boston, or any other conference or learning you know, opportunity, and all of these things are fresh in our mind, so we're just going to record it, you know? you that. Okay, so Mindy, do you want to introduce yourself first? Yes, hi, I'm Mindy Cottrell, and I'm a, a teacher here in Cincinnati. I teach at one of the high schools, and I focus mostly on biology, but I also teach zoology, one of our electives. Awesome. Okay, so Mindy and I worked together back in Erie um, a long time ago, and so obviously we've stayed friends, and she graciously let me stay in her house this conference weekend. Anyway, so let's talk about planning first. When you are planning your conference experience, like how do you go about doing that? What's your kind of vision for getting ready for conference? Okay, so I like to think about what I want to get out of the conference, what my focus will be. And so I kind of take a look at the sessions ahead of time, several weeks ahead of time or whenever it's available to look at what kinds of things are out there. Um, and it's helpful if I just sort of hone in on, on one thing. For example, if I'm just looking for life science or biology, um, ideas, I would focus on that. Or if I'm just looking at, oh, NGSS, one of the three dimensions, I'd just look on that. Um, but I also, when I'm planning, I kind of over plan, but when I get there, you know, I don't want to overdo it. So I kind of put a wish list together almost of all of the sessions that I want to go to, knowing that I'm not gonna go to every single one. Mm -hmm. um, I do like to consider where uh, some of the sessions are gonna be held, because sometimes it's like at the Cincinnati one, there is, it was in the Energy Center, but it also was across the street in the hotel. So um, I don't wanna be going back and forth and back and forth all day, so I do kinda of consider that. Like along those lines too, like when I, like, 
plan for my sessions, a lot of times I'll think of maybe like a skill I want to do in my classroom. Like maybe I want to do more project-based learning. So I'll look for sessions on project-based learning or maybe I'm interested in standards-based grading. So I like try to find maybe one or two sessions on that standards-based grading. And I found that when I ask for permission to get like to go, whether the school district's going to like pay for me to go or at least pay for a sub to cover for me, I feel like when I'm filling out the form, if I can say specifically, like, I want to learn this because I want to use it in this class, it seems to just be, like, more favorable. Like, they are more willing to approve it because they know there's, like, a focus to the learning. Now, whether or not I actually, like, and we'll kind of talk about this, but go to those sessions for whatever reason or stay in those sessions, they don't have, you know, they don't really have follow up, but at least you have a direction for, you know, what you want to get out of the conference so that you're not just all over the place and with a bazillion ideas that you can't really implement anyway. Um, and along also when you're choosing your locations, like as Mindy said, there's multiple hotels. So even you might, you know, maybe you're going to the 930 sessions, Maybe the 12 o'clock sessions are going to be in another hotel. And they this year I've noticed there's like a half an hour gaps. And I don't remember it always being half an hour gaps. I feel like it was a little shorter in the past. I could be wrong. But either way, you have time to get to whatever hotel you need to. But the thing is, like, if you get into a session or you get near a session and you see it's totally packed or it's full, you want to have a backup close by. So kind of what Mindy was saying, have your wish list of options try to keep several of those in the same area of the conference so that you can kind of bounce to wherever you need to go. And on those same lines of um, planning and trying to get your, your school to get you to go, one of the things that you might want to throw out there is that you will bring it back to your professional development, whatever you focus oh, you might yes. ch- choose. Because um, last year when I went, one of the stipulations was that I share that information. So if you bring that up front, that might be um, very attractive that's to your true. district. You can you can then pass on what you've learned or do a like a workshop for them or whatever from what you've mm-hmm. learned. That's true, and that is definitely gonna make it more valuable for you know for them to send you. Um, so I think I feel like that's pretty much like when you're planning for sessions, you know, choose a focus for your learning, and it doesn't have to be just one. Maybe you have three or four, but either way, you're you're targeting sessions specifically, you know, for those concepts. Um, you are considering the location so that you have, you know, maybe your prime, your, your prime option and then your, uh, backup option. And then they're in the same building at least, because if you leave, then if you don't want to spend 15 minutes walking to the other hotel, you want to hop on over to the next room and get in, in there. Um, let's talk really quick about the types of presentations. So what types of presentations are at conferences? Like there actually is, there's different categories. Right. I've, I've noticed that uh, many of the categories include a company sponsoring the event. And that might be something actually that we're talking about planning. You might be planning to test out some equipment or you're looking for some equipment. And so you might want to look for those sponsored. Um, yes. And those are usually called, on the NSCA, they're usually labeled as an exhibitor workshop. Right, right, right. Um and then um, I, I typically like to look for educators that are running sessions. Um, 
and that's just my preference, but I feel like I've gotten the most out of educator-led. I agree. I I can definitely see the value, and I I know people that are always like, oh, go to this curriculum person, go you know, go to this curriculum company, because they are going to do a giveaway of their product, or they're going to do a giveaway of their lab. Um, I've never really gotten as much out of it because honestly, I've never been in a position where I'm like, oh, I'm going to have money to go buy their stuff anyway. So I've always found, sorry, there's jingling dogs around, um, but I've always found that in the same way, I prefer the teacher-led um, workshops. But again, that's not to say, if you are thinking about getting like a curriculum or if you're thinking about getting even like a lab kit, go to those sessions because try them out before you get there. And honestly, I know you know you can always ask for reviews and things, but everybody's classroom is different and what a curriculum or a lab you might like someone else might not so just you know it, they're definitely worthwhile to go to if you think that you could be purchasing from you know those companies and there's also some great freebies that yeah. go along um i go to uh, some dissection ones every year and uh they they give me i have to sometimes i have to get on the plane with plane with a dissection kit which oh is never yeah <laughs> which is never a smart idea but <laughs> Um, they do give away some, they might give away some of their product yeah, um, so, just to let you go and test it. Yeah, that's true. I feel like at least, at the very least, even if it's not like a tangible product, a lot of times they'll give you like digital access to mm. a unit or a lesson or um, a, an online program or something. So you definitely can get stuff out of it, even if you're not going to buy. But I do really prefer the, I personally also like you prefer the kind of teacher-led ones. Mm -hmm. Um, they're also good for networking. Um, you yeah. know, they usually, the educators are very willing to share their materials, but also their emails. And so I've, um, I've contacted past presenters and said, Hey, can I use this for my own yes. um, classroom use or for my own PD, my own department use? Um, and it's just been a great resource. Yeah. We were just, we both went to this, um, NGSS writing one and this teacher, has a chemist like a full chemistry curriculum basically that she had mapped out broken down all the standards all of that huge document and she's just like yeah email me and I'll send it to you like you know it's not like it's every single lesson of hers but it, you have like this outline that she created and she's totally willing to share it um so like that's the kind of stuff that you can get from you know those mm -hmm. ones as well um and there are also there's presentations and there's hands-on so which ones do you prefer maybe um, actually neither of those really, um, deter me. I'm, I'm more looking for what it's about. Um, so if it's hands-on, great. If it's not great, I'm, I'm looking for, to get something out of it. Yeah. But I know some people don't want to, to necessarily dissect a frog like I yeah, did yesterday. I'm super, <laughs> I'm super lazy and I really don't like hands-on. <laughs> I really don't like hands-on things. I prefer to be taught the way that we're not supposed to teach. I'm like one of my, those lazy students mm -hmm. who just... You know, just tell me the information because I don't really Yeah, like teachers make the worst students. Yeah, right. They really do. So, um, yeah, no, so I really like the presentation ones. But, okay, and also in that respect, though, I like the presentation ones because they tend to give you a lot of strategies all in one session. Like, I love the ones that are just like, here's 20 vocabulary strategies you can use. Mm -hmm. or, or they give you, like, a step-by-step -step guide to doing something. And I like those ones. Like, I've been to some really cool, um, I think it was, like, AMNA. American Museum of Natural History had some amazing, and I not this time, they weren't there this time, but in the past I've seen them where they were, I guess those ones are technically hands-on, but they're not really hands-hands-on. They're like minds-on, you know, right? So they're giving you a step-by-step -step guide to designing 
um, this type of activity or crafting an assessment or something like that. So you are doing stuff, but it's not like I'm dissecting a frog. I don't like those ones. Um, <laughs> so I think it's important just to th think about like what you want what you want to do. And if you don't want to do a hands-on one that's going to be just modeling one specific activity, don't do that one. Go to a different, you know, keep that in mind as you're choosing your sessions. Right. And speaking of uh, minds-on and, and all that, um, do you bring your laptop to these sessions? So I do, but then honestly, I personally don't ever take mine out in the session. And I've noticed when I do take it out in the session, I end up on things like Facebook <laughs> or checking my email or doing things I shouldn't be doing. So I think it's better when I don't take it out now that I think about it a little bit. But I also like having it for downtime or if maybe I do want to go on and download their resources, you know, because a lot of the presenters will. Yeah, in the past few years, uh, the pre presenters have really gone paperless. So I feel like they've given QR codes yes. and a bitly. Yeah. Um, uh, and even Twitter handles, um, oh. to, to kind of connect or to access resources. And so I have pulled out my laptop and opened up some of the files that they give, but like you, I do also, um, get distracted by the emails that come in from work cause it's yes. a school day and, and, you know, today one of the presenters caught me grading something and oh my gosh. She, was, <laughs> she was, she was really cool about it. They're, they don't think these presenters are like. You oh, would be no, in the no. classroom with your students getting off task, but um, yeah, there. You know, you just you might need a device yes. of some sort to access what they have, since you know they are trying to go paperless, go yeah. digital a little bit more. I definitely think you need something, whether you like take notes on your laptop or on your device. You know, I pr I actually think I prefer the just pen and paper because I am a little bit less distracted then. I pay closer attention then. But then, but it's definitely nice having it with you because mm -hmm. you're there pretty, unless you're in, I mean, if you, I guess if you're staying in the hotel, then you're there, but it's not like, you still don't have that much time to like run up and down to your room to get your laptop. So. Well, and that might be something in the planning phase, uh, because last year they didn't give us Wi-Fi. Oh. And this year they did. Yeah. So that might be something to ask or find out is if Wi-Fi is going to be available because you don't really want to use your own data. That's true too, yeah. Um, so along those lines with, okay, so when you are there, what else were we going to talk about for planning? Um, just kind of the personal. You know, what, what do you wear? Yeah, like be comfy. I know my first year I was like, is this a professional? Like, and this was a long time ago, but like 2013 or 14, um, twenty. Maybe. I don't know. Either way, I was like, oh, should I be like super professional dress and whatever? Like, no, just wear with something comfy. Don't go in your pajamas, but feel free to wear sneakers and a t-shirt and a sweatshirt or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to be walking around all day. You're going to be walking in and outside. And I, I mean, other than my laptop, it was pretty empty. My bag was pretty empty. Yeah. But we filled it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're going to fill it, yeah, for sure, with either things that you leave. Like, I got a binder from one of the presentations today. We got rocks at the exhibit hall. Um, so now we're, we're carrying around rocks. Thankfully, that was at the end of the day, so we didn't have to carry around that much. Yeah, you, you fill it with either things from the present presentations you go to or the exhibit hall things. or. So if you are flying, make okay. sure you get that bag that you're going to check because oh, yeah. weird stuff comes through. I remember I went to one in Florida and... 
they were, it was a, like a, a STEM challenge and I was building all sorts of weird stuff. So like I had like a piece of a speaker and some why, I mean, TSA is going to think some weird things. Oh gosh. Yeah, so if you do fly, you know, and you are planning to go to some of these exhibits or check some that. of these hands-on yeah. things, you might want to check that. bag that you check. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, and then I guess the only other thing is when you're looking at your schedule, figure out like when you're going to eat your meals because, so you're probably going to eat breakfast before you get there. You're probably going to eat dinner, you know, after the sessions, but you got to eat lunch sometime in there or you are going to die. So maybe not die, but, um, maybe you're going to pack your lunch a lot. Cause these, I mean, I've never really been to one where like the hotel had a really good or like not ridiculously expensive like mm-hmm. restaurant. So I've always left the area. Yes. So you do need time to be able to walk somewhere. And it's usually not far, but... Because they're in big cities. Yeah, so. they're... You know, it's downtown. But you're going to probably miss a session to do that. So kind of think about where, you know, 11 a.m. There's not really anything I'm dying to see. That's when I'm going to go get my lunch. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So and we as teachers love our lunch time. Exactly. You know? And you have the time to actually enjoy, enjoy it and it. not, like, Same. rush through exactly. it. Like... You know, Enjoy maybe, it. Maybe go get a, like a little lunchtime cocktail. Nobody's gonna tell anybody. Um, <laughs> Disclaimer: Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Mindy's a rule follower. Um, okay. So when you're there, talking about skipping sessions, is it okay to skip sessions, Mindy? Um, it's absolutely okay. There is um, no formal decorum in these things. We are all there for the same reason, and even the presenters the people sitting in the sessions I mean as long as you're not uh, interrupting <laughs> this session they're not gonna care if you leave halfway or if you leave 10 minutes in because it's not what you thought it would be yeah. um, or if you come 10 minutes late because another session didn't have yes. what you wanted um, it's it's very very free in that way yeah um, so absolutely don't be afraid to to not follow the rules yes and if that makes you nervous like I'll be honest I feel weird like getting up in front of everybody and leaving but if it's like a session I'm not sure about I might just sit and like hang out in the back like grab a seat mm-hmm. in the back honestly I've been to sessions where I've sat on the floor because there weren't that many seats and they were like way up front I'm like I don't want to do that um not this conference but in the past I've done I've done that but you know, just make, have an exit strategy if it's one that you're, like, not sure about. And um, along those lines, if you're a presenter, make sure that your description matches what you're going to do. Because then you're not going to have that, like... Mass exodus. Yes. <laughs> once you get started. Of everybody who's like, I thought this was about formative assessment, but we're talking about engineering. I, I There could be a connection, but you're not making it, so this was not what I thought it was going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you are going with, um, I think, you know, my colleagues were there today, you were there today, and none of us were in the same session. Yes. You use that resource because Nicole and I swap notes. And yes, like dividing that's the conquer. best. That is really the best. Um, the multiple places you, at You need once. to kind of gain some independence and, and, and get into as much as you can because it's really going to benefit everybody involved. Yes, I agree. Like, don't feel like you have to go to the sessions with whoever like do your plan you know to meet your needs or along those lines if you're both like oh I both we both were interested in that session maybe okay just yeah share the notes with me and I'm gonna check something else out and we'll swap and then we get more learning for the same amount of time or whatever 
I agree with that. Okay. Um, so along those lines, like networking and connecting, like is it, are conferences, are they only about sessions? What else can you get out of a conference beyond the sessions? Um, well, if, again, I prefer the educator-led sessions. Those are the ones where I'm going to get contact information from a teacher or from administrator, whatever their role happens to be. Um, those are the ones where the people in the session are going to be most related to what I'm doing. And so those are the people that I want as resources. Uh-huh. Um, like along those lines too. Now, in, at this area conference, there's not as much going on outside of like the session times but like at the national conferences a lot of times there's events in the evenings a lot of times there is like you know this cocktail or meet and greet or um sometimes there's uh like panels you know like those kind of things oh, yes i didn't see any this time there was but... a uh, there and sometimes they just have nsta um the not board members but Right. presidents and stuff like that that yeah. run networking sessions yes. and then so that like go to those and I mean you don't have to go to every single like obviously you don't have to go to every single one but especially if you're going so if you're going to a conference alone don't and I know that there's like a temptation probably at least for me there is to just like after the sessions I'm just gonna go hide in my room because I don't know anybody and it's nerve-wracking but just like just go mm-hmm. I don't know just go and and see what you I don't know, who you meet. Oh, like, everybody's nice. I don't really think I met yeah, anybody who was mean today. Mean. Nobody's mean. <laughs> everybody was very nice today. I talked to people who were, like, different grades. I went to an elementary session, and they're like, oh, what grade do you teach? I'm like, I, well, I, I mean, I used to teach middle and high school. Right now I do professional development. I just was curious about elementary. And they're like, oh, awesome. Glad you're here. Like, it wasn't any, it was no big deal. Yeah, And I, it was fun. I got to see what elementary kids do. And it's just a different perspective. I talked to a... I got. I apparently went to a lot of sessions for middle school today, and oh, didn't really and know it. Really, but yeah. um, you know, so I had a lot of middle school teachers with me, and 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 you just get a different perspective, a different way of thinking, yeah, or maybe a new idea. You never know. Everything can be leveled up or down. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just like try to make those connections with other people, and you know, get to know. I don't know. Just meet people. Yeah. Don't be afraid to go to a middle school session if you're a high school teacher. Yeah. No. That's true too. Um, they usually have a, an optimal level and person, yes. you know, in, in, as in the session description, but, um, anything it's goes. Really, really. It, and so much <laughs> that also depends on your students. Like if depending on your school and your students, you might have middle school students that can handle a little bit of the high school stuff. And then you mm-hmm. might have high school students that are more on a middle school level and that's, you just do what you do. You know, your kids. Yeah. So along those lines, you know, your kids, you go to all the sessions, you've taken all of these ideas, how do you implement them or how do you change how you implement them? So another reason I bring my laptop is because when I'm writing down or I'm thinking about some of the ideas, I am not just straight writing down what they're telling me. I'm, I'm also writing ideas of how I can use it in certain classrooms or certain lessons or whatever. Uh, so when I go back, I have a very specific detail of how I'm going to use that. Um, so maybe pick one thing that you want to implement or one thing that you want to try. Um, we yeah, there's so it's such an influx of information mm-hmm. and 
two and a half days that yes. it's just, it's overwhelming at times. But you don't want to go back and have all these great ideas and then try to whirlwind all of them at once and then be disappointed in the results. Yes. You really want that gradual release. Um, and just, and that's really going to allow you to get feedback from the students, get uh, some reflection time, and, and really make it yours. You know, you're not going to be doing exactly the same as some other presenters. You're going to make it your own. Yes. And you know what's going to work. So um, there, there might be, I, I just recommend a little bit of buffer time. Um, maybe not jumping right into uh, implementing right away, maybe planning for the next lesson yeah. in that way um, to really give yourself time to plan it and give your yourself time to get your kids to buy in. Yeah, because like I've always noticed after conferences, I'm always like super hyped because sometimes, I don't know, like during you know October, there's like this little slump where you're just like, ugh. Um, and it's by, the longest month of the year. Yes, right? <laughs> yeah, so like by the time this November conference rolls around, because that's always the one that I've gone to, uh, aside from the national conferences, but any of the area ones have always been November. So it's like you're just rejuvenated and you're like excited to try these new things. And also it's like the almost this, it's the crazy time of year too because it's between the Thanksgiving and like the winter break. And then you have, you know, in high school, you have your new semester starting in January and all that. So like give your time, you're, you're excited, but give yourself time to like digest what you're doing and make the plans, you know, but don't necessarily rush into just changing everything all at once. And you're going to find like you might, and this is one thing that I love, like I've gone to some sessions or some conferences and I'm like, I'm not going to use that right now. But then like six months later, I remember, oh, that was a great idea. I'm going to come back and I'm going to pull that idea now. You know, so keep your notes for everything also because you, I, I there's still resources from like the 2014 conference I went to that I go back to and I'm like, that was an awesome resource and I'm going to use that again. Um, so keep all your notes, keep like the handouts if they do have handouts, keep the digital files. Because even if you're not using it now, you might want to use it later. That would be another little tip I have. Okay. Um, really quickly, I want to point out, so I've been able to attend a lot of conferences. In part, like, my school districts have paid. But a lot of, several of them, like three, four of them, three of, no, three of them, have been funded through NSTA awards. So if you don't think your school district is willing to, like, pony up the cash for you to go... <laughs> Um, look at the NSTA, NSTA awards. There's like the Shell Science Lab Award. There's the, uh, the, there's a new science teachers award. I can't remember the name of it. Maitland P. Simmons, something like that. Um, for new science teachers within the first five years, they pay for you to go to national conference. It's awesome. Um, look for those awards cause you might be able to fund your trip with those things. Now, Mindy, you have presented at conferences before. What are your tips yeah. for, you know, if you want to present at a conference? This is also maybe a good way to like get funding because it's like a rationale for you to go. Like, oh, look, my session got accepted. I should really go. And then your district says, okay. That's definitely a good tip. <laughs> they have to send you if you're presenting, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, so Nicole had said before that um, the, uh, it's a really good idea to make sure that your abstract or your summary is, is well aligned to what you're going to do. Um, it's also a good idea to 
pre-plan um, what, almost like your learning targets or goals for your the attendees. So what are your attendees really going to get out of it and to align it or, around that. Um, the the NSTA presenting, we, we have to apply for that six to eight months beforehand, yeah. something like that, um, which is is good because then you have six to eight months to prepare it. Oh, yeah. But you may want to also dry run it. Um, the last presentation I did, I was able to present to my department, or I had to present to my department in order <laughs> to go. But anyway, and so I was able to kind of tweak it from there. Um, another good idea is if you do have some kind of topic that you want to present is to make it as broad as possible is mm-hmm. to appeal to as many people, uh, as many grade levels, as many, you know, disciplines, uh, just a broad, uh, maybe as many, uh, student diversity populations, yeah. things like that. Um, cause that's going to get you the most attendees. Right. Like if you have, if you're doing one specific activity, you know, you're going to attract maybe that small group of middle school teachers that teach that specific topic or are looking for resources on that specific topic. But if you do like general vocabulary strategies that I use in my classroom, then you're going to be hitting a lot more. I mean, you still might not do like kindergarten through 12, but six through 12, you can, you know, tie those in. Right. Um, and I know like my favorite sessions are ones that, yeah, like just like that, that I can take and I can apply to my classroom. So either they like I said, I like the ones where I can be lazy, where they just give me a bunch of different ideas. Um, but also, I like ones where I can work on something that I'm going to use. So, maybe you're doing vocabulary, and maybe 10 minutes of that vocabulary session is spent, okay, choose five topic, five words that you are teaching next week and develop this activity for that. Oh, I like to do that, You know what too. I mean? Because like, then it's like, Give oh, it in their perspective, I'm exactly. gonna, yeah. I'm going to use this in my classroom, like now and I like when presenters do that because you know then I get not only the uh, time to think about it in terms of my classes but also other people's ideas oh yeah because everybody that's, else shares that's and awesome it's, yeah. yeah it's also you know teachers we beg borrow and plead for yes <laughs> steal maybe yeah there's probably a little bit of stealing <laughs> um but you know we we like to share things as well so um it's always good to have a little piece of that in your in your presentation as well um now when you are so you said a lot of the the sessions have really gone digital like I remember you know going to conferences a couple years ago almost every single one had hands like handouts and like now the majority that I went to very few of them actually had any sort of printed handout um so, like, what are your thoughts on that? I um, would absolutely, uh, I think that's going to be easier because our, it, when we're thinking about making handouts or bringing resources, um, you know, our districts aren't pl- paying for it. This is coming out of our pockets. So the, the more that we can share, of course, paperlessly and save the environment, yeah. but also to save some money in our own pockets right. because, you know, we're not... Or, you know, we can't anticipate the number of attendees anyway, so right. you don't want to make 20 copies and have 100 people, or make 100 copies and have and 20 people. Yeah. So, um, you know, regardless, it doesn't matter. Uh, I would say go digital. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I mean, you do run the risk of people playing on Facebook when they're supposed to be listening to you, but... Again, we are all, we're all in there for the yeah. <laughs> same reason, so... <laughs> 
Um, I don't think anyone would denigrate you for being on Facebook yeah. or answering an email. Right. Or, no. you know, no, it's, it's we're all adults. Um, for sure. And, uh, you know, you just, as a presenter, you kind of have to understand that these are adults that um, <laughs> don't necessarily um, have time to go to the bathroom during the day. So yes. the fact that they have a little freedom is, is awesome, you know? Yeah. Yeah, one of my biggest pet peeves of all of, like, the conference things is when presenters, like, I feel like fill time just to fill time. Oh, yeah. Like, if the session's over, just end it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have nothing else to say, we don't need to drag it out. We don't need to do 20 examples for every idea that you have just to fill that space. Like, it's okay if you're done a little bit early. It It gives everybody time to digest what you've said. It gives everybody time to go to the bathroom, to go get that extra cup of coffee, you know. So, if you're done, be done, and that's okay. Um, Everybody needs time to process. Yeah. That's, like, a, I do feel. The first couple conferences, I, like, felt guilty the one I didn't, if I didn't go to every single session. Like, I was wasting my time there. But I just think that you need to give yourself, like, the freedom to not go to every single session. Mm-hmm. And if all you want to do are three sessions a day, or maybe four that's, sessions, or but or whatever. That's a lot of information. It is a lot of information. <laughs> it's a lot of time sitting. Yeah, I mean, that's what we ask our students to do, I guess. But <laughs> but we're not used to it anymore. So um, it's just it is a lot of time, like sitting and just taking in a bunch of stuff. So you do need that like break to really think about how you're gonna absolutely practice. All right, so. To wrap up, like, what are your fi- final thoughts on your sessions or, like, your favorite session you've been to or your biggest takeaway or, or anything like that? So I'm going to go back to thoughts that I had a couple times before, which is the educator-led uh, sessions. I feel like I've, in the past, uh, gotten the most uh, usable resources from that. Um, for example, uh, I went to a session led by a gentleman who was – working at a small school in New York State. And um, he just had some great ideas about differentiating uh, learning experiences and student-created assignments and things like that. And even though I'm not implementing it just like he did, I have a completely different population of kids. Um, And he had middle school and I have high school. And He's a private school and I have a public school, so completely different population of kids. Um, I was able to modify that so that, you know, my students, my high school students in my uh, science elective class can choose their assignments for all of their units. And it's it's a little structured, but it's definitely um, given them some choice. And it's also um, one of the other effects that I didn't really anticipate was that uh, since we have a huge range of kids in these electives, ability-wise, whatever. Uh, I'm able to to actually cater some of to some of the lower and higher students. So I'm able to say, okay, well, I know you're not gonna be able to do this, and of course I wouldn't say that to a kid, but <laughs> uh, in my head I could say, I know, I know that you're probably not gonna be able to do this, so you know this is the one I want you to do. And it and it's no different than other kids that are doing the assignment because everybody's choosing. Yes. So let's say you have like nine activities. They maybe like pick six of them or something like to do. So they do, what, uh, what I do is have rows. And um, each of the rows is a specific standard or topic. And there's levels in those rows. So level one, level two, level three. 
And for a particular unit, I'll say, okay, you need to get four points. Oh. So if they do level three the first time, they can do level one the second time. Right. Or vice versa, or two and two. That's awesome. So then um, since I'm doing standards-based grading, I get um, whatever their score is out of 40. But a kid that you know that needs some extra time or needs some scaffolding I can say do level one and level one that's at a hundred percent as well so that's out of 20 but it's a percentage that goes into the grade book equally nice okay so we had this is not related to science but it relates to that when I was in high school we had this like government we had government class and we had this government project and it was kind of like that where he had a list of like probably 20 different tasks you could do and you had to get so many points and also I feel like you didn't have to like you had this freedom of choosing do I want to get a C and do this many points Mm -hmm. or do I want to try to get an A and do this many and like you just worked over the course of the quarter or semester or whatever it was completing these different tasks um like this was outside of class like projects um but then that went into like your final grade is you had to get so many points to pass and you had to get, you know, whatever. So that I like that idea. I'm, it's a modification of the tic-tac-toe. So you'd have yeah. nine choices and you have to make a, a line right. somewhere. And that's the the, re- the original resource is the tic-tac-toe okay. um, differentiation. I, I don't remember the book title or the name I'm sure yeah. I have it written somewhere I'll but. like dig it up and I can always put that in the show notes too okay um, but there it's it's a modification of that and it's helped um, actually like I've handed then so if I don't want to go say if I'm introducing mollusks for example and we need to learn how the seven functions of animals are in mollusks because every animal feeds differently, reproduces mm-hmm. differently, so it's so on. So I can give them a choice of assignments to do to learn about the seven functions. And I don't have to stand up there and give notes for three days on the functions because there's so many of them. Yeah. Um, and how many animals are in their world? Well, they can look at, they can, you know, search the world for that animal and and really find out some of the diversity of life. That's awesome. So. I like that idea. Yeah, and that all stemmed from this gentleman from New York in this very small educator-led session. At a, I think it was at 8 a.m. the first day, <laughs> so you know that's not well attended. But, um, and it was, it was just you, you, you never know where your ideas are going to spark. Yeah, that's awesome. So my final thoughts, and actually, I wasn't originally thinking that I was going to talk about this, but so my favorite like conference experience is. N- the first year that I went to a national conference, I did, instead of going to sessions one of the days, so the national conference is an extra day. It's like three and a half days. I think that's what it is. It's it's longer. Um, instead of going to sessions one of the days, I decided I was going to do a field trip. And we went to these different science labs. It was in Boston. So we did like these coast, we did this co- a couple like coastal ecology. Um, I think I paid extra for it. It was like maybe 50 bucks for the day. Um, but we did like a coastal ecology lesson where we were actually on the ocean doing some stuff there and the rocks and tidal zones and things like that, um, or intertidal zones. And then we went to like the marine lab up there and so on and so forth. And honestly, I don't know that I really, there, there wasn't like a lesson that I brought back to my students. I'm in Erie PA, we have a lake, but otherwise we're like landlocked, you know, no ocean. Um, May, but but I guess my my point is that like you're 
it's not vacation, but it kind of is a vacation. It's kind of a break. And if you want to go learn about coastal ecology because you have the opportunity to do it while you're at the conference, like go do it. If, if there's a field trip you want to do, if there's like an experience, whatever that you want to do, don't feel like, oh, I can't miss the sessions because I need to, you know, I can't do that because I can't miss the sessions. Like take advantage of the opportunities of being there. Make yourself get out of your room at night and go to the stupid meetups Make yourself go on the field trip um, if it's something that you would be interested in. Don't think that your conference is only valuable in like what this in the sessions that you go to. Like it's valuable because it might like reinvigorate you when you're having like a slump in your year, or it's valuable because it's like adding to your just content knowledge and your your knowledge of like science practices and what science looks like in the real world. Or it's valuable because you're just like connecting with other teachers and making friends. And so many of us are in schools where like you're the only science teacher or, um, you know, you're the only science teacher in your grade maybe if you're in a smaller school or a private school or an elementary school or whatever. Like there's more to conference than just the sessions. So just, you know, keep that in mind as you're making your plans. And I just have the thought that sometimes they have like the American Chemical Society will have a chemistry day or this time there was like an engineering day where it's the entire day and you're just immersed in that subject. Yes. Um... And also, if you need graduate credits, there are colleges that run concurrently with the three days that will offer you some graduate credits for taking these. So you do have to pay a fee and you have to enroll, but if you need it for recertification or for some kind of uh, step up in your pay, whatever, um, that is available as well. Yeah, so there's a lot that goes into it, so just like take it all in and... You know, do what you, what works for you. Yeah. No. I feel like we could talk about this for a long time. Okay, so yeah, we're going to wrap it up now. <laughs> We've been talking for a while. So thank you guys for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please, you know, leave us a review. Let us know what you like. Connect with either Erin, so at Sadler Science, or me at Explore Science on Instagram and share our, your questions with us because we're going to be doing a lot more like, um, I don't know, listener questions, you know, Q&A style stuff coming up. So make sure that you are sharing those questions with us. But thank you so much for listening. And Mindy, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. And thank you for letting me sleep at your house for this awesome Of course, you're welcome anytime. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys later. Bye. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.